Dear listeners, Sai Ram, welcome to our radio series, Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics. Every Thursday on Asia Stream, you can enjoy this live conversation. It's from 12.30pm to 2pm Indian Standard Time. The topic of today's episode is Satyam Shivam Sundaram. the life story of bhagwan sri satyasai baba and this was first featured as part of thursday live on july 25th 2013 welcome dear listeners to yet another episode of afternoon satsang yes it is yet another episode but it is a special one too because exactly one year back we began this journey of afternoon satsang and i just happened to realize this a couple of minutes before we start and to celebrate this occasion and as always to join you in this afternoon satsang i have with me brother arvind sairam arvind sairam prem and uh, wow <laughs> it is a discovery for me that you are saying that it is one one year since we began the afternoon satsang i think about 2 3 months back we celebrated the one year anniversary of the afternoon live right so i remember after 2 3 months yes this afternoon satsang began what a beautiful journey it has been in the process i think the biggest beneficiaries have been us right we have learned so much about swami about his teachings and his stories you know which constitute the sai bhagavatam i always feel you know whenever anybody is speaking about or writing about or anything regarding swami mm-hmm. or god in general i feel this is my personal opinion i just feel that instead of you know sometimes only talking about the teachings may get dry and boring but i feel if we speak about swami's stories the beauty is is that it automatically you know draws out love and inspiration from the heart and that love and inspiration automatically inspires a person to follow the teachings also so i'd rather always talk about swami because it builds up such a kind of love for swami which will inspire me in turn to follow his teachings so i feel that is a, a stronger and more sure way of inculcating swami's teachings rather than directly just speaking that swami said this swami said this speak about swami the love for swami will come and that love for swami will make you follow the teachings of swami of course uh, you know the due importance for swami's teachings also has to be given and as you said it is definitely you know we all have taken to swami's teachings only because we've been so enamored by that personality that swami held but that said and done you know some i was just thinking of a small story sometime back mm-hmm. there's a man who is a big fan of an audi car okay, okay because he goes and test drives an audi car and goes to this showroom to have a look at the audi car not to test drive so there he sees somebody starting the audi car mm. and have you ever seen a audi car starting up no it it starts with such a that room and that you know that the engine start up okay itself is so beautiful <laughs> you know if you're a car uh, enthusiast enthusiast you will know that that the rumble with which that car engine starts it's so exciting mm. so he's so excited about that car starting up so you know he spends all his savings on buying an audi car so a few weeks down the line he calls his best friend and he says you know you should come and check out my audi car so he comes by and gets into the car and he starts it and he says do you enjoy that how does that sound 
So this guy saying, "Oh, it's amazing! It's so great and all that." So he says, "Come, let's go for a drive." So this man says, "No, I don't know to drive the car. I every day get into it and just start it and then switch it off." Okay. Okay. So his friend says, "You are you crazy? You spent a fortune on this car. You know, of course, it is fun starting the car, but you should check out driving the car hmm. because to start the car is only the start. You start it because there is fun in driving it." and i feel that's how it is with swami's life also you know the miracles the excitement it is definitely exciting and every time you actually listen to it it's exciting but it's only for that starting excitement there is much much more excitement when you actually drive the car and that's what is there in swami's message that's right what happens is that when you have swami stories and experiences which culminate in a message somehow that message gets driven through harder stronger and in a more memorable fashion Absolutely. and and that's that's why an audi car starts with that <laughs> amazing dumb <laughs> and that is why we are going to start this afternoon satsang with some of the most beautiful experiences that happened on the sands of chitravati in the physical realm they might have happened on the sands of chitravati but these are divine unforgettable incidents that will be etched forever in the sands of time i'm sure because they are so beautiful in the way they happened and also in the message that they conveyed absolutely and in fact you know any of the authors who have been with swami in those early 1940s 1950s a good amount of their narrative will include these sessions of chitravati because that was a time when there was no interview room you know of Correct. there was that korika room which even in subama's house there was a mention about but i think that was a time when swami as swami would uh, describe it the phase of leelas there was no mass interview room right. like later on we had the purnachandra where all the delegates would assemble or the bhajanal or, or the bhajanal where all devotees from one certain region would assemble there was no such a big place and that is why swami resorted to the signs of the chitravati i remember reading one very interesting episode shri lokanath mudaliyar okay we will be uh, hearing a lot about him because he was instrumental in the gindi temple coming up the first shirdi baba temple that we spoke about last time so swami once had taken him also along i mean whoever is in parthi during the time they go along with swami to chitravati so on the sands of chitravati swami asked him how many times do you go to tirupati tirupati as you know is another pilgrimage spot in india where lord venkateshwara a form of lord vishnu is worshiped and it is supposed to be one of the largest temples in every sense in the world the tirupati venkateshwara temple and so swami asked him how many times do you go to tirupati shri mudaliyar he replied that swami i go twice a month mm-hmm. then swami asked him will you stop going there if i get vishnu to come to you <laughs> so he was quite uh, thrilled at this proposition he said yes swami if my lord vishnu himself comes to me why do i need to go to him then swami just you know from the sands of chitravati he pulled out a statue a beautiful statue of lord mahavishnu and along with it also a statue of his consort that is lakshmi he gave this vishnu statue as promised to loknath mudaliyar mm-hmm. and at that time you know uh, the daughter of sheshagiri rao sheshagiri rao as we discussed was the first priest of the prashanti mandir his daughter sundaramma was who also happened to be during that chitravati river bed session mm-hmm. swami gave her the statue of lakshmi okay now this was yes one nice incident but you know it didn't stop there it going ahead what happened was swami said that let us have kalyanam mm-hmm. a vishnu and uh, lakshmi kalyanam okay 
the, you know this tradition right of right. Uh, marriages between gods that is performed in in india commonly right it is often considered that the consort mm-hmm. is prakriti or stands for creation and the lord the male aspect of the lord is considered to be purushottama right. the lord so it is said that everything in the universe is the lord and prakriti god and nature since nature has come from god the goal of nature is to go back to god right so creation comes about when there is separation between purushottama and prakriti and then merger comes when purusha and prakriti become one mm-hmm. when there is union of purusha prakriti mm-hmm. in order to teach this message that the ultimate goal of every human life is that merger with the lord because we are all part of the prakriti we have to become one with the lord in order to symbolize that a marriage or a union of the consort and the lord is performed a wedding and these weddings can be very elaborate right they are done like any other wedding you know with all the fest ceremonies and festivities where the bride is brought the groom is brought mm-hmm. and there are the mantras that is chanted all the festivities everything 2 3 days it goes on so that people revel and enjoy at the same time learn the significance that this is pointing us towards the ultimate goal in our life okay. and so swami decided to you know conduct this marriage between vishnu and lakshmi so you know as i said they make all the detailed arrangements they decided that patha mandiram mm-hmm. which was swami's mandir in those days will be like the groom's house okay karanam subama's home will be the bride's home okay and all the people and uh, all the family members and relatives of shri lokanatha mudaliyar were considered like the groom's side <laughs> and sundaramma as i said she shigirirao's daughter okay. her family and everybody were considered like to be the bride side <laughs> they were all at subama's home preparing the bride and it's also recorded that swami said that we need a nice silk sari to drape the bride it was a small idol of lakshmi and how hard they searched at that time in parthi all they found was a small piece of cloth silk cloth which had a slight golden embroidery done as a border that was the only thing they found swami said okay get that cloth and as uh, mrs sundaramma's daughter held that piece of cloth in one hand swami held the other end and just pulled it and like an elastic piece it expanded it expanded to become a mini sari which could be draped around the idol of lakshmi okay. and swami said yes this will be the bride sari for the marriage so there was a lot of festivity and preparation going on in fact there was a procession of the bride from subama's home to the patha mandiram where the groom will be waiting now during all this what happened was another leela you know this is the way swami began to involve everyone into what has now become large scale programs in the mandir so swami then saw that uh, sundaramma who is supposed to be the lady who received the lakshmi statue she was not very interested in this and she was not interested because she had a problem of her own on the way to puttaparthi when she was coming she had lost her mangal sutra okay a uh, married woman it's supposed to be symbolic of her marriage mm-hmm. and it is considered that if you lose the mangal sutra it is almost like you are losing your husband that is what they fear so she had lost the mangal sutra and she was very worried about it and that was what occupied all her thoughts she did not want to think about you know this marriage between what she thought was less two idols so when this was going on 
in the marriage swami materialized a beautiful necklace for the groom that is vishnu okay and he materialized the mangal sutra for the bride lakshmi and there was a feast after that and everybody sang bhajans they reveled in the stories of lord vishnu and lakshmi it was a beautiful satsang at the end in the night swami comes to sundaramma and says you know i performed this whole program for your sake because swami saying like that she just acknowledges and she is grateful and she says okay swami fine thank you but in what way it's for my sake then swami says go see the mangal sutra i created for lakshmi you take it and you use it now okay because you know once they are all in temples also they are called utsava murtis they are brought out only for that celebration after that everything is removed and the statues go back into the locker or into wherever so here also swami said yeah now when they are going to remove everything you can take that but she had not told swami that she has actually lost her she has not told she? yes she has not told she has wa- she is wanting to tell okay. but Swami just is in this festive mood exactly just yes. as she is occupied preoccupied with her mangal sutra swami is so preoccupied with this wedding okay <laughs> and then she goes to the statue of lakshmi and she sees that it is the exact same mangal sutra mm-hmm. either it is a mangal sutra that she lost or it's a replica carbon copy down to the last white gem and stone that is there in that everything perfect she so thrilled and this was another leela that swami did so you know while swami thrilled them with the miracles at the same time he would teach them the inner meaning of all these rituals that are conducted show the spiritual behind the ritual and well when speaking about chitravati this is one incident that came in my mind yeah, i mean talking about uh, giving that joy to a woman as you said in indian tradition mm. for a married woman that mangal sutra is so important it's another incident i think we've narrated it before but you can't talk of chitravati and miss out some incidents like this when swami used to take this group of his devotees and go there there was this one particular lady whose heart used to be on the path to the chitravati river mm. a bed and every time swami would go by she would just come out and offer pada puja to swami and you know worshiping the feet yeah worship the feet and wash his feet and she would go back and she was a widowed woman and you know in uh, indian society in those days they, there's this stigma that widows would not join such processions for ritualistic processions and all and she used to feel that Because swami used to be considered inauspicious right and she was seeing that swami was a swami ji in that time was going with his devotees so she wouldn't join the uh, group but she would always come out and offer worship to swami's feet but one particular day swami said why don't you also join us so she was very happy and so she joined the party so there swami in the on the banks of river chitravati swami looked at us what do you want Okay, and very innocently, this lady said, "Swami, I want a picture of my dead husband." Oh. Okay, and can you, you can imagine this was in 1940s, and her husband had died some 20 years before. Okay. So it was, I think, much no before Swami. No way that he Swami would have known about the existence of a camera, also. And much before Swami was even born. <laughs> okay, so Swami was asking her, "Was he ever photographed?" Oh, okay. Huh? Okay, and she said, "I don't think so, Swami." <laughs> <laughs> Then how does she expect to get okay. a picture? I don't know maybe she had that much faith in Swami that you know Swami could do anything what was the this one which she was asking for a photograph of a dead husband who was probably never even photographed mm-hmm. and who lived in a time when cameras never came to Puttaparthi Swami had also not come to Puttaparthi and Swami was also not born <laughs> and as is usual way as we would see in the other episodes also Swami started making a heap of sand mm-hmm. and stealthily putting his hand into that heap of sand Swami pulled out a photograph of her dead husband. Wow. 
and i think we narrated this in the time when we spoke about swami's beyond Being time beyond time and space i also remember you know these science have transmuted into so many things there is the episode where this is much later not in 1946 where, what we are speaking about but when we speak about chitravati we speak about chitravati swami was uh, taking a stroll on the banks of chitravati with dr bhagwantam right and then swami picked up a that f- was the first visit of bhagwantam actually he was a scientist who was very mm-hmm. skeptical and he comes so that was his first encounter with swami's miraculous ways and you, you know it is recorded in sai baba man of miracles by howard murphett two things happened one is where swami picks up a handful of sand tells dr bhagwantam to hold out his hand and pours the sand into his hand and the sand transmutes into a copy of the bhagavad gita right and then there's another uh, incident where swami picked up a rock okay and asked bhagwantam what is this he says it's a rock swami says no go deeper what is there in it he says swami it's atoms swami says no no go more deeper what is there in it swami electrons protons go deeper he goes to the level of quarks i mean i don't know if it was then swami says bhagwantam you're not getting the point and then just swami taps the rock and it has transmuted into a sugar candy which is in the shape of lord krishna <laughs> swami breaks off the foot pedestal and gives it to him to eat and then says bhagwantam see this is where science is failing beyond all your atoms and protons and electrons if you go deep inside it is god and sweetness that exists in everything <laughs> such beautiful lessons through such wonderful leelas another incident which i came by i had actually read this long time back hmm but uh, i was excited to read that it was a, even a personal account somebody had written about it in sanatan sarthi 1975 mm-hmm. you know there was this one mr lakshmaiya okay he was along with a group of people who came again i think that group of skeptic people were ever present throughout swami's life who came and who didn't believe in those miracles who wanted to come and have a close look you know it was one band of youngsters like that mm-hmm. so they had decided that you know they should ask for something from swami which is absolutely impossible to materialize okay that, that was the idea so they came and you know swami gave in and swami said come we'll go and playful that swami was swami takes them to that part of chitravati sands mm-hmm. where they actually cremate and bury bodies okay. okay so swami goes there and swami says let's sit anywhere you want mm-hmm. so they all sit down and then uh, swami asks them what do you want so they say swami we are all hungry we want something to eat Hmm. So Swami asked them, "Okay, what do you want? You want laddu, bundi, masal, dosa?" And Swami gives them a huge list. A menu. <laughs> a menu. Okay, they ask, "What do you want?" So these guys are, I think, already made up their mind. So they said, "Swami, we want mangoes to eat." Something that is not on the menu. Okay. Right, because that was absolutely out of season, and you know, I don't think mangoes were actually reaching Parthi also then. You no, know, even today in places that, uh, like even in Bangalore, for example, Bangalore is a major metropolitan city in India. Right. Even there, if you go to the hotels and ask for something made from natural mango, mm-hmm. when it's not mango season, right. they tell that it's not unless you are in some real good city which is importing mangoes and preserving it. You don't get mangoes out of season anywhere, even in big cities. Right. So. You know that was the plan. So they said, let's ask for mangoes, mm-hmm. fruit which is out of season, and let's see if Swami can give us that. So and Swami, know, I mean, that's the beauty of Swami. The miracles are there. The uh, you know the exciting things are there, but always He will try to, 
you know inject that little bit of message mm-hmm. so i said yeah god's grace will give you anything but you'll have to put your effort mm-hmm. so i quoted that line from the song yatna prayatnamul manavat dharmamu jaya pajay mulu daivadinam so sami said that and sami said you have to put your own effort so sami said you dig you know see sami is also putting in the message and also saying that you yourself dig and you can bring it out <laughs> okay you know so removing that iota of doubt if there was any if uh, if sami had hidden it before yeah. or something <laughs> so sami said okay you go around and dig anywhere you want you'll find it hmm. okay so the man got up and he like you know all the more trying to instigate sami said sami where should i dig should i dig here and he walked a few paces should i dig here sarcastically um, sarcastically and then sami said you sit anywhere and you dig so he sat in one place and he starts to dig hmm. and so this person writes that this man dug up to 3 feet 3 feet oh my god i think that's quite deep and there's nothing he finds you said it was a graveyard right and <laughs> it's a graveyard hope he didn't unearth some bones <laughs> yeah. there yeah that's coming to that he digs about 3 feet and he says swami it's not there there's nothing here Mm-hmm. Swami says don't give up you keep digging you'll find it and Swami mm-hmm. says you chant the name of the lord which you like and you dig okay so he chants swami's name and he you know he goes on digging and finally he touches something which is cold and kind of little soft mm-hmm. so he immediately squeals because as you said it's the graveyard and you know you might as well be touching some corpse which has been <laughs> buried recently and he squeals and you know he's shouting and he says so there's something cold there and you know this person writes that swami is actually rolling on the sand and laughing <laughs> at this man's plight hmm. you know he says that you know swami is also about 16 17 years old and swami is also having fun with what's happening here so swami sends all the other youngsters he says you go and have a look there so they say the moment they go near that pit they can get that strong fragrance of alfonso mango mm. okay very strong that the best of the kind right that uh, smell of sweet mangoes mm. so they all dig in and you know they bring out this huge mango they get out from there as though it's been kept in a fridge it's cold and you know huge so they give it to swami and they say that swami we are so only one mango here. yeah only one mango they say okay. we are so many of us here but six of us here and you give us just one mango what do you expect us to do with one mango swami says i'll give you i'll give you and takes that mango and mm. swami materializes a knife and starts cutting that mango and giving it to these people Okay, and you know how Swami cuts it. Swami cuts one full half. Okay, and gives it to one person. Turns the mango, cuts the other half, and gives it to the other person. Again, turns the mango. The mm. mango is full, and cuts half and gives it to one person. I thought two halves make a full. <laughs> and these are like so many halves, and still it doesn't make the full because mm. every time Swami is turning it, Swami is able to cut a half and give it to them. And Swami is going on giving and giving and giving, and these people are not able to. take what swami is giving they, after some time they say swami we have had our fill hmm. you know we cannot eat anymore swami said no you asked for it you better eat it <laughs> and to add to that swami saying if you don't eat it i'm going to call the spirits you know where we are sitting <laughs> right <laughs> and you know that is one beautiful experience which comes from those chitravati days well another chitravati related experience is you know once when swami we spoke about how swami would also join the women and making garlands and you narrated that beautiful episode of the tulsi garland so it was one such occasion where swami was sitting with all the ladies and making garlands mm-hmm. so swami suddenly told all the ladies that come let's go ganga is coming okay now ganga is is the river ganges it's considered as a holy mother who wipes out all your sins 
and that is why every hindu believes that at least once in his life or her life he or she must have a dip in this holy river right so when swami said ganga is coming they thought what is it now ganga flows in the north north of india and right now you know that is a river that has caused quite some havoc not ganga also actually the tributaries of ganga that is bhagirathi mandakini alaknanda these are the ones that have created havoc in uttarakhand i mean when the flood i mean such a huge river it is imagine all of them joining and forming the mighty ganges and it flows into the bay of bengal at least 1500 to 2000 kilometers away from puttaparthi and now here is swami saying that ganga is coming so they all thought what happened to swami swami says no no come drop whatever you are doing and follow me and swami walks out of the old mandir they all walk out and swami walks up till the chitravati river and as they stand there they see that there is some water in the river and nothing else swami stretches out his hands both his hands to his sides and tells all the women do not cross my hands stay behind this and then he says now now she's coming now she's coming all of a sudden they hear a deep rumble and right in front of their eyes oh huge waves of water gushing towards them they're almost scared but then swami tells them don't get scared she's coming to meet me <laughs> and at the same time he cautions them don't cross my hands so they just stand there witnessing the ganga which comes roaring and in all fury becomes a gentle calm stream as it nears swami and just comes enough to touch his feet mm-hmm. and then swami says oh ganga you have come i bless you i bless you and then swami asks the ladies to pass on a few coconuts breaks the coconuts into the river and then he takes kumkum he takes haldi that is turmeric he puts them he puts flowers he materializes flowers and puts into the ganga and then tells ganga now i have blessed you you can go and then in one late surge the waters come around swami's feet and then they recede they recede and within moments the whole thing is gone the ground is bare and dry and everybody is simply stunned and when they look at swami's feet around swami's feet is a beautiful garland of special large flowers flowers such as which are not found in south india they are found only in the himalayan ranges that is from where ganga originates and so swami takes up the garland and he gives one one of these big flowers to each of these ladies to keep as ganga's prasad and all the ladies walk back and when they walk back nobody is speaking because they are all simply stunned and struck dumb by what they had just witnessed the miracle where ganga herself took a 1500 km detour to come and offer her salutations at swami's lotus feet you know how incredible remarkable this incident is and to know that people who have actually witnessed this mm-hmm. first hand are still around us and they are there to narrate this incident you know it's it's not in fairy tale books and even as you were narrating this incident the images which come to my mind are part of the documentary which you know that great documentary we spoke about exactly you know this this incident also is well captured in that documentary called the advent right in which you can see the person who experienced this she is narrating this incident and uh, you can actually see the incident panning out on her face itself her expression right. speak a lot you need not understand telugu to understand what she is telling because her expression speak what happened 
so yes if we can state it here it is definitely a must watch video the advent in fact for guru purnima in the mandir also a short video that was shown is a part of that dvd itself called the advent and i think it's it's a perfect time to even take a break and play this beautiful song which we have which i think is quite apt after this incident which you narrated arvind oh the gangama tallini right yes dear listener this song was sung in swami's presence on quite a few occasions especially when bhagwan started the water projects you know the song says that oh lord sai you have brought mother ganga to our doorstep because that was how the relieved people felt when their parched throats and parched homes got the touch of sai ganga water be it in anantapur be it in medak and mahbub nagar districts be it in the city of chennai or the east and west godavari districts they really felt that mother ganges had come home through satisai drinking water supply project and therefore this song but as you said it's also apt because swami did literally bring gangamatalli mother ganga to the doorstep
that was a beautiful song i mean it brought back such wonderful memories prem i remember this was even uh, sung in swami's presence during a program entitled prema vahini the flow of divine love so beautiful reliving those memories and those incidents you know one swami had told one of the students that when the student got overwhelmed with the amount of blessings and love that he had received from swami he said swami wow i just don't know how to repay for all this so much that you have done swami said you don't think about repaying but all these memories treasure them and cherish them now they are being given to you there will be a time when they won't be given at that time relive these and relive this divine joy that you are getting because this is the highest kind of joy so i think that is a strong message for all of us all these memories that we have all the stories all the experiences we should relive them and keep cherishing them again and again so that swami we can feel swami's presence with us forever you know it is two things one is whether swami is with us and the second thing is whether we can feel that he is with us swami says god is like the radio waves always in the atmosphere every time present it is the radio that has to tune in if you are not able to tune in you feel, you are not able to hear anything but the minute you tune in you you are able to hear it and feel it in the same way too swami's love and swami's presence in our lives is always there we just have to tune into him and tuning into him is what we call as sadhana or mananam or dhyanam or bhajans or seva all these are methods to tune into our beautiful omnipresent swami it's so beautiful that we are able to recollect and as i said some of these people who have actually witnessed this are still around and we are able to hear it from them and maybe if time permits we'll play a clip of one person who's also been you know seen swami for so many years before we come to that another incident which comes to my mind is what i read about uh, sakama we've spoken so much about her dodamanne sakama right hmm and also referred to as coffee podi sakama yeah you know she always had this doubt you spoke of swami materializing the bhagavad gita hmm she always had this doubt when she would read the bhagavad gita she would wonder 700 shlokas of bhagavad gita is it practical that krishna stood in the middle of the battlefield and rendered all of them it would have taken a minimum at least 2 hours to 3 hours even if you say a minute per shloka <laughs> oh yeah it goes you know, huge yes, oh my god it takes it's about 10 hours 10 hours <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so even if you know none of them paused in between and they just kept on rattling one after the other it would take 10 hours so she was wondering how is it practically possible that such a huge uh, bhagavad gita was rendered in that short time and in that tense scenario of you know between the two battle uh, ready contingents mm. so she always had this doubt so once when swami had taken this group to chitavati she asked swami swami what exactly happened is it that this whole thing was recited or is it you know there's also that interpretation they say that uh, krishna actually gave a very concise form of bhagavad gita to arjuna and okay. vyasa felt that the humanity which would follow would not be able to <laughs> will need an elaboration will need some kind of commentary inbuilt and that's why the 700 verses so she asked swami that is it true uh, you know what is the actual truth So Swami did not answer anything. Swami started again, you know, building that mound of sand. Mm-hmm. And so it was apparent Swami was materializing something. So Swami materialized a small statue of that scene of Gita Upadesham, where Krishna is sitting on the chariot and Arjuna is also there, and Krishna is explaining Gita to Arjuna. So a gold chariot 
with all the horses and you know the ordinate chariot and these oh, two uh, quite a detailed statue yeah with all details and very exquisite looking and Swami asked the people around hmm. in your opinion how much time it would take to make a chariot like this hmm. so they all looked at it and said you know easily a month hmm. and with three or four people working on it okay right you know goldsmith with real expertise then Swami asked how much time did it take for me to make it hmm so then they said, Swami, hardly a couple of minutes. Swami said, see, what takes at least a month with four people working on it to make, I got it done in one minute. That is the control divinity has over time. So is it any wonder that Krishna actually stopped time for everybody around and you know, gave this whole lengthy uh, discourse to Arjuna? Wow, that's a very interesting thing. So people are frozen in time. And this concept uh, in many of the movies also we see, you know, <laughs> where a person comes and freezes time. And if men can comprehend it, why not God execute it? Right. Wow. That's another lovely miracle on the sands of Chitravati. Well, we can go on and on, Prem, but maybe one more one more lovely incident that happened, Leela that happened on the sands of Chitravati. This was during another session. This is also recorded in the DVD called The Advent. And uh, Swami had taken this group of people, the group of devotees to the signs of Chitravati and he said, Today, I will give you darshan of the sun and the moon together. Mm. So they were thinking, how sun and moon together? It was an evening, a lovely pleasant evening. And suddenly they see that Swami is no longer in their midst. Till now he was there and he has disappeared. Literally disappeared because where can he go? It's an open area, open place. Suddenly they hear... Swami shouting out to them, Look at me, I am here. And they look and see that Swami is on top of a hillock that is just next to Chitravati. And wow, they are amazed at how he got there. Swami says, Now see, now see, this is Darshan of the moon. And suddenly, the whole place, you know, went dark, went blue, became cool. And in the sky, they saw huge moon, a huge moon. As if you are seeing it from half the distance between earth and moon. You know, it was that big in size. It became so cold that everybody started shivering. Their teeth began to clatter. And they said, Swami, you got it's very cold. And the next moment, Swami said, now, now have the darshan of the sun. Instantly, the skies brightened up, turned into hues of orange and red, became very bright and double the size of that moon. It was a huge burning ball of fire and the sun... Now the temperature soared so much that everybody who were now who had their teeth chattering in the chill were now sweating profusely and telling Swami, stop it, we can't bear it any, any longer. Again they hear Swami saying, now watch out for the Trinetra Darshan. You know, in Hindu mythology, it is said that Lord Shiva has the third eye on his forehead. Right. And it is said that when he opens the third eye, the whole universe is just burnt into ashes. That is the way the whole universe is supposed to get destroyed. You know, that is the power of the third eye. And so, as they look up to see what is this third eye going to be about Trinetra Darshan, they see that the whole sky is covered, is covered with, you know, Swami's face. Everywhere they see it's just one huge face. And in Swami's face, on his forehead, a gap, a crack came, which seared and opened up. And from there, 
you know it was like some intergalactic fireworks going on you know there was fire emanating and it was a very very fearsome and scary scene you know in that dvd it is so beautifully depicted because as this scene comes alive we can hear the chants of that namaste astu bhagavan vishveshwaraya mahadevaya in praise of lord shiva it's so amazing and the person who was witnessing it says that as they had this trinetra darshan they all collapsed some out of fear some out of shock some out of awe for different reasons but they all collapsed and some of them screamed swami enough stop it the next moment everything became tranquil and calm it was the same beautiful evening and swami was back in their midst swami smiled he waved his hand and created vibhuti and he gave that vibhuti to all those who had fallen unconscious and all of them came back into their senses immediately as they received swami's vibhuti swami said that is enough for today come let's go back these were the kind of leelas these were the kind of miracles that they got to witness it also gave them an idea of who swami is you know people may speak of hypnotism but there is first of all very few instances of mass hypnotism and hypnotism relies on sound or eye contact and here there was nothing and they saw everything such such things are not recorded even in hypnotic history i mean this is sheer miracle sheer power of the lord and swami you know says that this is not the majesty of the lord this is just his calling card this is just his visiting card such is the grandeur and glory of the lord that we have been lucky to know about really really doesn't it make us feel so full of gratitude for him having called us to him definitely you know the beauty of this whole narration actually was in the way she narrated also ha huh. because for one thing it's so incredible when you listen to it but as you said it's so graphic and you could you know when mrs vijayma narrates that this you can see it in her eyes when she's actually narrating it she says how after that swami asks them to sing bhajans when swami asks them to sing bhajans they are so out of coherence they are not even able to sing bhajans hmm. and they are like walking health and skelter and swami is telling them you know this is why i don't show you all these things hmm another interesting episode she narrated you know not exactly related to chitravati but related to that time frame was one of the dashara processions she narrates you know she says how they make a beautiful palanquin for swami and it's made completely with flowers swami is himself so tender and when he sits on it they supposed to carry this palanquin and you know take him around the village hmm but she says that after swami sat on that palanquin the scene looks so beautiful that nobody was actually prepared to carry it and look away from swami and walk that's how you can do a procession of the palanquin right correct so like nobody was ready to look away from swami because swami is looking so beautiful so she said they did the entire procession walking backwards looking at swami and singing bhajans and there are records that during the dasara such processions you know kumkum would manifest itself right. on swami's brow and swami would just you know uh, do an act as though he's throwing something and there would be chocolates there would be toffees candies and all kinds of things and even gold uh, pendants pendants and all kinds of uh, objects I mean you can imagine it's first of all the village there are no street lights there were no roads and they walking like that and swami would be sitting on the palanquin and somebody you know take left take left <laughs> there's a pit there you know go this way go that way mm. and she said on one occasion they started this procession about 8:39 in the night and they went on till 2 in the early hours of the morning okay 
and she said not once we actually were going past the same place we went by oh okay and some of them were so wonderstruck because they said you can actually walk through the entire village and wherever there is road in about 45 minutes okay and they were wondering where did they go actually hmm in the next morning they all went around and to see you know where did they actually go but they could never figure out but the whole procession took from 8 to 2 in the morning and they had not actually walked by the same route even once wow and you know some of these things are really amazing and incredible, incredible. dear listeners these are all incidents mostly that happened during you know 1940s in our narrative we are in 1946 and uh, prem 1946 was the year when the first time dasara was held at puttaparthi at the patamandiram okay previous to that swami had seen how dasara is being held in mysore so this was the first time that dasara was held at puttaparthi In fact 1946 is also the year of another first an event that has today become an annual event in the calendar of every satsai samiti satsai organization all around the world and that is the global akhanda bhajan right so it was in 1946 that this akhanda bhajan was started right and uh I think we should listen to this whole description from Mrs. Geeta Mohan Ram because of course we can narrate it here but the way she narrates it is so beautiful. It's inimitable, yes, exactly. Yeah, so dear listeners, here is a narrative of how this global Akhanda Bhajan came to be and how humble were its roots. Most importantly, how those roots were nourished by Swami with his time and energy and love. Really? And we're going to play that clip for you. where Geeta Mohan Ram talks about how this Akhanda Bhajan actually began. When they went there and they saw him and they believed him, they said, we want to keep the strength of having seen such a wonderful being in our lives when we go back to Bangalore from Puttaparthi. So when they first started going to Puttaparthi and they started to sing those long songs in front of Swami and Swami used to join in with them, they came back to Bangalore and they said you know we want to bring this atmosphere of prashanti nilayam there was no prashanti nilayam even at that time the atmosphere of swami back with us to bangalore so what shall we do so they said why not start thursday bhajans at least one day in a week let us start singing these songs in our own homes so these eight families my aunts and uncles who first went to swami decided to have a thursday bhajan by rotation every thursday one family would have a bhajan and in those days india was still not an independent india so there was curfew there was war going on there were no lights people were not allowed to go on the streets because of the war that was going on but they still said sai ram will take care of us and we will go so they started this was in the year um, 1943 they started to do their thursday bhajans every other family member in their own families thought they were crazy they didn't believe in swami they said what are you all doing on the faith of some 16 year old boy in puttaparthi like i said yesterday a boy who comes from a family that eats non vegetarian food who's not a brahmin boy who's never gone to school you are going to do what he asks you to do but that faith had grown a little bit stronger in their hearts and they said no we have to do this it doesn't matter if these family members discard us but we have to stick together these eight families so they started to do their bhajans 
and for one year they did these bhajans every thursday come what may rain sunshine started at 7 o'clock in the evening finished at 9 o'clock and walked home quite far distances after one year was over they decided that we have successfully for one year completed a cycle of bhajans let us do a 24 hour bhajan that is how the idea of the akhanda bhajan that we do the 24 hour bhajan started they said for 24 hours let us do nothing but namasmarana because that faith in us needs a fence because the family members have discarded us our friends have discarded us the only person we have is this little sai so we have to put a fence so let's do a 24 hour bhajan so they wanted swami's permission and of course in those days these were the only eight families that were there that would visit swami in puttaparthi in the little old mandir so they wrote a letter to my grandfather who was living there saying we are planning to do a 24 hour bhajan and we would like to have swami's permission to do the bhajan and we will do it in one of our houses and they had no plans and they were very traditional orthodox people so they said you know we will start on thursday morning at 10 o'clock and they would completely fast till the following morning friday morning 10 o'clock not like our akhand bhajans is it <laughs> we usually have a bhojan akhand bhajan <laughs> not here in the uk in washington dc <laughs> so they would fast the whole 24 hour their only food was the namasmarana their only food was the bhajan they would have a little bit of coffee or hot milk or something to keep their throats going remember there were only three or four or five singers so they had to sing all through the day and then in the morning at 10 o'clock when the bhajan en- ended they would do a little abhishek for swami and they would do the aarti and end and at that time they would break the fast with a little bit of prasad some rice or whatever they were going this was the plan so they wrote this letter to swami to my grandfather actually saying that this is what we are planning to do please take swami's permission if it is possible for is it okay for us to do this and they waited eagerly and they got a letter this time from swami saying it's a wonderful idea this 24 hour akhanda bhajan in fact he named it akhanda bhajan and it's a wonderful idea and i will be there which is the date this is usually we used to do it in the month of february so these guys were a little taken aback the relatives what do you mean what does he mean he's coming we didn't invite him <laughs> we're just going to keep the picture there <laughs> if he comes it's a problem <laughs> we'll have to look after him <laughs> he's going to bring a few people from puttaparthi we'll have to look after them and they were all middle class people staying in little homes small houses they couldn't believe that they would have to look after swami in their small house could not give him all the facilities that they would love to give him they didn't have a car to bring him from puttaparthi to bangalore so they wrote back saying no no we didn't invite swami <laughs> we just want permission to do the akhandvajan in our own way the way we want to do it that's all wonderful swami they wrote the letter and they're still waiting for this permission when they get a telegram and the telegram says bail there in amo that means we have already left puttaparthi 
they were in a quandary so they had to come now what are they going to do this whole business of doing it in somebody's house is gone because they have to look after swami he is going to stay in the house it is a little house small house so if swami is staying there how are we going to do all this I have to take care of him so hurriedly they start looking for a hall a community hall which would allow them to do this so they pulled together a little bit money and um, my father who was just a new dentist at that time you know 21 or 22 years of age hadn't even started practice you know just about started practice um you know found a place a little bit in the outskirts of bangalore and then they had to find a place for swami to stay and um, you know they went and spoke to the one of the people with the bigger houses amongst the relatives so that he could stay and they said what are we going to do we were going to fast from thursday morning to friday morning but you can't have swami fasting all the time so somebody has to be at home to cook for him and make sure that he's all right and who's going to bring him from the house to the bhajan hall you know which is quite far away it was about 10 kilometers or whatever nobody had a car so while all this discussion is going who should arrive on a, in a horse cart but swami and my grandfather they've already arrived they've come all the way from puttaparthi in that fashion that i described to you yesterday crossed the river got into a bullock cart took the train got into a horse cart and arrived at my father's house on wednesday afternoon we are here <laughs> problem is a day early <laughs> so we were still setting up the hall oh is that true then i want to come and see this hall so they all get into this horse tanga as we call them in bangalore and they all go over to the hall and there is a picture of swami's a little picture a black and white picture of swami's and swami says oh this picture is not nice i don't look too good in this picture <laughs> let's get a better one so he materializes a bigger picture and says let's put this one so somebody hurriedly goes and puts a little cardboard frame around it and then he gets into the whole process of setting up the stage look at this beautiful stage somebody has done a wonderful job create such a beautiful atmosphere in this hall so that's what they were trying to do create that atmosphere and swami is there busily putting the garland busily uh, helping them spread out the sheets and it was his bhajan the reason i am giving you this description is that swami says don't leave god behind in your altar when you go out to work take him along with you take me along with you whatever you are doing make me a part of your life you're setting up the altar take me there i enjoy it too with you because if there's love in your heart for me i enjoy it so that's what he was showing these people take me with you to set up that altar even if it's my altar <laughs> I'll show you how you can concentrate on this picture because they were all just new aspirants in this path. They didn't know anything much. They were all housewives, not very much educated. Just knew that their duties were to look after their families, the ladies. The men were busy with their own work. So he busily did all this. And then they said, "Swami, you have to go back to the house because that's where the food is." Swami said, "What are you all going to do? We are fasting." He said, "Oh, is that true? That's good. It's good." to discipline your body and your mind at least for a short while once in a while and he goes back and now as soon as swami leaves 
you know swami says in every discourse and all of you have heard i'm sure or at least read intane kantane jantane ventane eppudu untanu i'm always behind you besides you be with you in you in front of you i'm always with you and those are such beautiful words we come out of the prashantinilayam discourse and so swami spoke so well of course he did is the veda mata he created this world of course he spoke well is that why he said that no he really means it and that's the idea that i want to bring with me this morning that when we say that swami is here it's just not a figure of speech he is really here he hears every word i say he knows every thought that you're thinking and at one time or the other you will come to know that he knows <laughs> as i have so the swami went away to the house to rest because he had come from puttaparthi and these ladies who were organizing the whole thing i'm sure shobhna will understand what i'm saying were in a frenzy they said what are we going to do we just have a little bit of rice for tomorrow morning's prasadam there was a curfew there was rationing of rice because the war was going on the shops are all closed in the evening how are we going to make sure that there is enough prasadam for everybody since swami has come because guess what started to happen while these guys were setting up the hall suddenly people from nowhere started to come and said i believe there is a bhajan tomorrow is this the place so they said who are you this is supposed to be a family gathering who told you they said oh we've come all the way from mysore because swami came in our dream and told us to come <laughs> so not only does he show up he starts telling people in their dreams to show up so people from mysore arrived at gathering of 15 people people from madras arrived at gathering of 25 people with young children people from hyderabad arrived and suddenly this hall which was supposed to have 15 and a half people now had some 45 people and these people had rice enough to make prasadam for 20 people and they are in a mess they what are we going to do because we've collected the rice there's no place to go so this old lady this old aunt of mine who lived in puttaparthi all her life she was my mother's aunt actually she knew swami since he was a small boy of five she was almost motherly to him because swami used to go to her house to eat vegetarian food so she was like a mother to him but at the same time her name is also savitramma but not the same coffee powder savitramma that you read in the satyam shivam sundaram she, in fact the coffee powder lady came a little bit later but she was there and she had access to swami in a way she knew that he was divine but at the same time she was very motherly to him because she knew him since he was a little boy of 5 so she walks into the house where swami is sitting on the chair and says swami this is all your fault we didn't ask you to come you show up not only do you come you go and tell people in their dreams to come and now we have 75 people in this hall and we have no rice to make prasadam tomorrow morning for so many people and the bhajan is going to start in a few hours and people are just coming in with bags and baggages because it's 24 hour bhajan so she said that we are going to be put to shame because in india you know the hospitality if somebody comes the guests you look after them well and you're going to put us to shame and she said remember if you put us to shame you are to be put to shame too <laughs> because it is you that we believe in so she said she grabs i mean these are all stories that i have heard too i wasn't there in 1944 this is the one time you always wish you were older <laughs> 
So she grabs his arm, the 17 year old boy and says, come on and takes him to the bag of rice, 20 kilos or whatever it was that they had and said, say Akshayam, say that it will be an endless supply <laughs> or we will be put to shame. So Swami materializes a few grains of rice, puts it into the bag and says, Akshayam, Akshayam, Akshayam. Don't worry, Sundaramma, this is my father's cousin. Don't worry. Everything will be fine. Why are you worried? The doubts, you know, sways you. They were new devotees too. They were just a year old devotees. So they were afraid. Their ego was saying, what are we going to do? People will say we didn't give them food. And the Swami has put us into trouble. Who is going to look after us? Then they said, but who else do we have but him? So let's ask him. And they brought him to the bag and he said, Akshay. So the bhajan went on. And Swami in the old days and even when I was a young child, in our Akhand Bhajan, Swami would himself sing the bhajans. He would start the bhajans, sing in the middle of the bhajans. So the bhajan started, it went on for 24 hours and Swami was there for the most part of it. And then the following morning, Swami materialized a little Shirdi Sai Baba, a statue. And to that statue, for the first time, he materialized that flow of vibhuti that you see in the videos now that Swami does during Dasara celebrations and birthday celebrations. But this was the first time he had a little pot, it's the same wooden pot that was brought and he materialized all that vibhuti that became the Abhishek for that Shirdi Sai Baba. That is why the Paramam Pavitram that you all repeat and you say so beautifully in English, the flow of vibhuti, the translation of it was composed by my cousin on that day when they saw the flow of vibhuti coming out of that pot. So the vibhuti abhishekam was over and of course now the prasad distribution started. The rice uh, was prepared into a sweet dish and they started to distribute and Swami said, are you all okay? Are you distributing the prasadam? Yes, Swami. So he said, okay, I will go back to the house when all the ladies finish distributing, distributing the prasadam, you come back to the house. And he looks at my aunt, Sundaramma, and says, Why were you worried about going to the market when the Kalpavruksha, the wish-fulfilling tree is right in your house? You were planning to go to the market to buy. Don't worry about the prasadam. And he goes home. So the prasadam distribution started at 10.30 in the morning and it was a wonderful prasadam because, you know, Swami had materialized that rice and put it in. So they started to distribute. The 75 people were fed. The surrounding village was fed, the neighboring village was fed and the prasadam is still there. Now this is prasadam, remember they are traditional people, they will never throw it away. But their arms are aching from serving. And Swami is sitting in my father's house telling my father and my grandfather, those ladies will never complain again <laughs> about food. Now, first they complained that there was not enough food. Now they are complaining that there is too much food because their arms are aching from distributing the prasad. Finally, the old lady, Savitrama, comes back and says, Swami, enough of your game now. Stop it. <laughs> Stop the increasing of food because we are tired of serving. They had served 300 or 400 or 500 people in the neighboring villages and still there was food left. 
So dear listeners, now you understand why we chose to play that clip instead of narrating it ourselves. Yes. Please. And all the familiar names, Savitramma, Sundaramma, they too f- figured again in the description, in the narrative. And dear listeners, you will agree that <laughs> no way can we replicate what Mrs. Geeta Mohan Ram has heard from her family members who were part of this beautiful beginning of the Akhand Bhajan. So we'll take a short break. and we'll be back to conclude this afternoon satsang welcome back dear listeners and we are enjoying a beautiful satsang where we are reliving the glories and stories of our dear swami when he was balasai the young sai 
you know right now we heard the beautiful narrative of mrs geeta mohan ram and her uncle was mr r s ramachandran mm-hmm. it was during this time only that another amazing miracle uh, was performed and in this shri r s ramachandran mm-hmm. was intimately involved okay it so happened that he had a a hernia problem and when uh, all the family members were discussing about this swami overheard them discussing about this okay so he straight walked up to ramachandran and held him by his hand and took him into a room a the small room that existed in the old mandir the path mandir and there was absolute silence nobody knew what was happening inside after about half an hour or so swami walks out and he calls out to two people and tells them to fetch water so that he can wash his hands and when swami is washing his hands they see that it, his hands are completely blood stained mm-hmm. they are shocked and then swami just smiles and says that you know an operation had to be done okay they walk into the room they see that this ramchandran is lying prostrate on the ground he's seems to be in deep sleep and next to him are blood stained surgical implements which swami had materialized from thin air all the scalpel the knife everything is there or everything which swami has materialized from thin air and there's a bandage around his stomach where you know this hernia operation has been performed and swami is telling them that you know you don't worry he did not have any pain i anesthetized him with vibhuti and in fact you know hours later when mr ramchandran actually woke up they even removed the bandage that was around his stomach there was not even a scar there mm-hmm. and he had been completely healed and cured of his hernia problem well you know swami can do these things with a mere will just a thought that's enough he just has to think he just has to will it and it is done yet swami did it in this manner i feel just because we enjoyed this way you know if swami had just said that your hernia is over and even if swami says your disease is cured and it's cured we may feel nice but if some dramatic element is involved in this way where swami materializes surgical implements from thin air and there's blood on them and swami washes his hand and swami says i used vibhuti as anesthesia does he need to use vibhuti as anesthesia i mean he doesn't need anything but yet for our joy that is why it's called a leela a mahima so that we enjoy it that is why swami does it in this manner and this was another beautiful miracle that happened in the 1946 i don't know that's what is told about the bhagavatam also mm. it said that the, the lord takes so many forms and you know goes and redeems so many devotees so that that becomes a volume of the lord's leelas that devotees in the future years can recollect you know he could have done the same thing with this you know different kind of people and could have give redemption to different people doing the same thing hmm but it is so that he could give us this volume called the bhagavatam and what, what probably we could call the sai bhagavatam which we can all recapitulate and you know revel in the joy if you remember prem recently we had a, a listener write to us mm-hmm. saying that uh, you know we spoke about swami exorcising spirits and ghosts and um, she had written to us saying that modern medical science has you know disproved all this and it is just a case of psychiatry and you know people uh, turning insane there's nothing like a spirit or a ghost but well uh, swami himself you know in those days he had made a mention 
of these spirits of these disembodied souls who swami had said that if somebody commits a suicide or death happens in an unnatural manner then there are so many things that are left unfulfilled but the soul doesn't have a body to fulfill it mm-hmm. and that is why some of these souls even possess people who are weak minded swami himself had said that there were some strange cases that happened in 1946 where you know swami would say that these souls they had the only desire that they wanted to have darshan of the lord mm-hmm. and since they could not achieve it through their bodies they were now you know possessing the bodies of some of the devotees and that is why you know when some people came to swami with the malady that they are possessed by spirits and ghosts all that swami would do sometimes is give them pad namaskar or give them a picture of lord narsimha because on one occasion swami said that that spirit that has come was a devotee a devotee of lord narsimha and is pining to have a darshan of the lord narsimha and one that is done you will be free from this malady and so you know all of them this is recorded even in uh, by mrs sai leela in her book loknath sai that there were many souls that were seeking swami and once they had darshan they left their so called victims and went away mm-hmm. and after that swami declared he said from now on anybody who enters the prashanti nilayam this was a few years later when prashanti nilayam came up will be freed of all that they are being possessed of okay. and i think that statement has meaning in more than one dimension <laughs> just entering this uh, prashanti nilayam the abode of supreme peace frees you of so many ghosts and spirits that possesses ghosts of worldliness materialism desires and definitely that promise that swami gave is holding true even today but this is one more small uh, mention i thought that must be made in fact you know there's another uh, very interesting episode hmm. which is narrated uh, i'm forgetting by whom but it was narrated by a person who was there and you know this thing happened hmm. you know someone came to swami and uh, spoke about one particular place seemed to be having symptoms of being uh, you know taken over by an evil spirit or something like that hmm. a place which was again uh, very close to vijitavati sands So one day, Sam Swami went there with his devotees, and Swami had asked them to bring along a few ropes to make a swing. Which you know, we've spoken about this before. Swami would go to some of these uh, small woods near the river bank, and Swami would tie up those swings and you know, uh, spend some time there. Swami told them to bring along some ropes so that they can uh, tie up those swings. So at one particular tree, Swami told them that you know, in order to solve this problem, Swami has to swing. Wow. <laughs> Swami didn't exactly say that he's going to solve this problem you know so okay. he just said let's go there and uh, Swami made them bring these things along and Swami made them tie a swing to the tallest branch of that tree hmm and so somebody got on top and tied there are the, pictures the, of this right swami right, swinging there are, there are plenty of pictures i don't know if it's of this incident okay okay so swami got on to the swing and swami told these people that start swinging me okay so they started swinging and two or three of them So Swami was kind of unsatisfied and dissatisfied. He said, "Swing harder, swing harder. I want to go higher." Okay, and they were scared to do this, but Swami insisted. No, no, you push harder. Then after a while, Swami said, "No, you're not doing it well enough. You move aside. I'll do it myself." Hmm. So Swami was swinging so high that these people were really scared that you know at any moment this this rope might give way and 
some of you might be just catapulted away hmm at one point they just heard this branch cracking okay so this swinging was too much for the branch and with a huge snap the branch just broke and they were all looking up in the sky to see where swami was you know mm. and just then swami came from behind and then swami said where are you looking at what are you looking for mm. i said swami are you fine so when they looked down this person who is was written about this incident says that branch which fell was actually much bigger than the tree itself oh and they were wondering what is this and swami then said that no there was a spirit or whatever was possessing this tree now the time has come and i have removed it uh, that reminds me of uh, when the village of karnatanagipalli which right. is just across the river chitravati mm-hmm. suddenly people there started having many kinds of illnesses you know people um, would get nausea vomiting fevers chills and even some people felt that children were growing into hunchback teenagers and adults okay when this was brought to swami's notice swami told some of the people around to get spades to dig and he took them to this village of karnataka agapalli nearby and he told them to dig at a spot and the people began to dig over there you must have read about this right, right. what they found there were the peers, peers. as they are called in fact i know uh, if you read the account of nagamani purnaya mrs nagamani purnaya huh? she was there when this happened and she says that crowbar with which they were digging hmm. was actually stuck to the person who was holding it oh and almost it was like it was resisting this act of the you know being dug up hmm so she says you know very graphically describes it gets stuck and then swami touches the crowbar then that person is able to dig and after a certain point they starts getting the fragrance of what do you call uh, you know sambrani they call it oh yeah i don't know what it's dhup. called it's called dhoop in hindi right uh, it's a kind of um, fragrant wood that is burnt and it lets out a right. it's like an incense only incense yeah hmm. they get that fragrance and in fact it is very common even in in mosques and all that hmm. they have these people coming around giving that fragrant hmm. smoke right so they start getting that smell and that's when after they dig further they find this what you said peers, peers. you know uh, it uh, these peers are actually uh, small brass objects that are held very holy by the muslims and it is said that if anybody you know steps over them or disregards them then they will suffer because it is a object of great power strength and and nobody since nobody was aware of this this was what was happening swami said that take them out and give them due regard and respect she says that these were actually in the path which was serving as a shortcut oh so okay most of the people in the village were taking that path oh so they were walking over they were it walking over it right and swami said that now these problems will stop and indeed from that day in the village of karnatnagapalli all these problems ceased and uh, these peers were then given their place of respect actually what happened was swami uh-huh. brought these peers and kept it in the old mandir in the path mandiram in okay path mandiram and just a few weeks later was the muharram festival hmm so for which they wanted to they came to swami and they requested swami that because these peers usually are taken in a procession they are like okay. it's a shape of a hand or something like that shape of ah uh, yeah oh have you seen those peers uh i think so i'm not i don't remember now because uh-huh. i've seen that procession uh-huh. as we said even to this day that procession happens during the festival of muharram so they came to swami and they wanted to take this on a procession they found that they could not take it out of old mandir at all okay the person who was carrying it he was not able to cross the gate of patmandram okay so then again swami came and it seems he materialized some vibhuti and gave it to that person and they they were able to take it so they got the message that it was supposed to come back 
to the old mandir to the old mandir and so it was like uh, swami was the custodian right. and he would uh, lend it out for the procession right uh, till a time came when swami said now you can right. take care right. of it even now that procession happens they bring it to prashanthi nilayam they come near ganesha and then they take it yes the that is a very 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 rare sight because we never see that happening though i had seen this procession prem i never knew the story and it's only now that i'm being enlightened about it and this makes me very very keen and eager the next moharam i'll definitely be out there to photograph this procession and have a look at those uh, holy objects that came out of the ground there dear listeners we are attempting something very herculean and big we are trying to get information from various sources so that we can build up a kind of timeline of swami story so there might be some times where we go ahead or behind in the timeline there might be some lapses there may be a few errors in the names that we say a few errors in the dates but we try to rectify it and as far as our knowledge is concerned whatever is being said here is right so if at all we notice any errors we'll definitely rectify during the next session your feedback is most welcome please do tell us if you are enjoying this format or would you like us to change so dear listeners we offer this effort of ours at bhagwan's lotus feet and as arvin said you can always write to us at listener@radiosai.org please do write to us and tell us what you feel about this program and all other programs sairam You just heard an episode of our radio series Afternoon Satsang. This is a discussion between Radio Sai's Prem and Arvind on different spiritual topics and the topic of today's episode was Satyam Shivam Sundaram the life story of Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba. This was first featured as part of Radio Sai's Thursday Live at 12:30 p.m. on July 25th, 2013. We hope you enjoyed it. Your comments and suggestions are very important to us. Please mail them to listener at radiosci.org. Next week, same day, same time, will be the continuation of today's episode. Stay tuned. Thank you and loving Sairam from Prashant Nilayam.